0: We are moving on in in Jesus' ministry. We've seen where he uh, went to the temple and stayed there when his parents went home, and it was a signal to his parents, life's about to change. Last week we saw him baptized and go off into the wilderness to be tempted, and then to start his ministry with the, the teaching to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Today we're going to go into Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11, and we're going to see Jesus' calling of His disciples. As he is going through His ministry, He calls certain people to follow Him. And of those people that, he, he, you know, there's, there's several different calls that Jesus makes. There's the general call to all the people. Repent. Repent. That is a call for everyone. And there are many people who hear that call and who start following Him and start listening to His teaching. But within those groups of people, there are specific individuals that He calls to follow Him, to walk with Him specifically. He, he calls them away from their vocation, and He brings them in to being itinerant ministers and disciples. And uh, we're going to look at that call and that interaction with his first disciples uh, this morning in Luke chapter five. So let's go ahead and, and like we have done, we're just going to we're going to walk our way through this passage, and we'll stop from time to time to consider the different things that are going on here. Jesus' ministry was predominantly in the north, uh, in the in the Galilee region, and that's where he is at, although, As you will see, my translation doesn't call it uh, the Sea of Galilee, but the Lake of Gennesaret. But we'll get there. Let's go ahead and start walking through it together, shall we? Uh, Verse 1 tells us, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say, and let down the nets. So we we see in these first five verses, we see that there's already a crowd with Jesus. There's already a a group of people who are walking with Him and listening to Him. And, And He's teaching them, but they are pressing so close to Him that He can't get enough distance so that the whole crowd can hear Him. And and because he's by the lake, he sees these two boats and he goes up into one of the boats and he asks Simon to put out a little way from the land. That way he can get some space And, and maybe even use the water's effects to carry his voice so that this entire crowd that has been pressing around him can hear him. And notice what what Simon says after Jesus is done teaching and done speaking. He tells Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Okay, he's, he's, um, I I don't know, I, I read this sometimes as almost like a little tip. You know, thanks for your service, let me give you a tip. But we'll see that's not quite everything that's going on here. But what does Simon say? Master, we worked hard all night. And caught nothing. So, what do we what do we see here? One thing he refers to Jesus as Master, Lord, which betrays for us reading Luke. We haven't seen it, but it, it or betrays is probably the wrong word. It it allows us to know that, Jesus, that that Peter Simon Simon Peter already has knowledge of Jesus and an interaction with Jesus. He knows Jesus. We've seen, in, if, you, if you were to go to John chapter 1, you would see that uh, Simon is, is brought to Jesus by his brother Andrew. His brother Andrew is one of two disciples, and, and we would believe that the other one was probably John, the brother of James. We, we see that Andrew is one of the two disciples of John the Baptist, whom John the Baptist points out to Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Andrew and the other disciple, they go and they follow Jesus, and they they say to him, "Where are you staying the night?" And they, the implication is, is, we want to go with you. And Jesus says, "Come, I'll show you." And later on, Andrew runs and he finds Simon, and he says, "We have found the Messiah." And, and so you get this this kind of understanding from putting the gospels together that that. Simon knows of Jesus and maybe has even listened to Jesus teach. Respects Jesus. Maybe he is even one of the people who has repented and and is seeking the kingdom of God. But that day, he isn't part of the crowd. He was busy working all night. But when Jesus says, let down your nets for a catch, go out and let your nets down for a catch, He says, Master. So there's respect and familiarity with Him. But then He also says, We worked hard all night and caught nothing. This is a way of saying, what you're asking me to do is foolish. This is a polite way of saying, you're wasting my time. I know something about fishing. You're a nice man who has done a great job of teaching people, and I understand you worked hard prior to this, But I happen to have lived on this lake my entire life. And I know a thing or two about fishing. And I'm telling you, nighttime is the time to fish. I fished all night. I never caught a thing. So you telling me to go out into the the lake a little bit and to let down for a catch is laughable. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. Why does he say that? Well, because Master. He is, he is acknowledging Jesus' authority and Jesus' uh, position, His teaching. He thinks Jesus is not quite all there or probably just doesn't understand. And yet, because of who Jesus is, even though Simon knows it's pointless to go out and do it, but he'll do it. He'll humor him. You might say, just because of who Jesus is, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. He is not expecting anything from it, but he is willing to humor Jesus because, well, Jesus has earned his position in in Simon's eyes. You know, sometimes we do things, we know it's not going to work, but we do it for somebody because we respect them. We honor them, and so we, we, we won't tell them no we we don't think it's going to work but we'll we'll humor them we like them we love them we care for them we respect them so yeah we'll do what you've asked it's not going to work how many times have you done that you know you're you're trying to solve a problem maybe and your your spouse will come in and say why don't you do this and you're thinking you know I've already tried that but sure I'll do it again if you like right we humor them and I wonder, have have you ever considered humoring God? Humoring God is different than obeying God. Humoring God is before you're able to obey. Have you ever considered humoring God? God might have spoken to you or led, given you some uh, insight in your heart. God may have guided you to do something and you know it's ridiculous. You know it's absolutely foolish. You're not the type of person that can do that thing Or there are other people who should be doing those things. It's it's not really your wheelhouse. Have you ever considered just humoring God? You know that God doesn't know as much as you do. You know that you know yourself, and God is asking you to do something ridiculous. Have you ever considered just humoring Him? That's That's what Simon's doing. Jesus, I was fishing all night, didn't catch a thing. The fish aren't out there. But I'll do as you ask, and I'll let down my nets. Have you said to yourself, have you ever said to yourself, you know, and maybe you have, maybe there's been a time when you thought, God, what you're saying to me is absolutely ridiculous. That will not work. But I love you, so I guess I'll try it just because you're putting it on my heart. That's a lot different than obedience. In fact, next week we're going to look at, at what obedience looks like. This is humoring. Obey, as, as we learned as we were uh, teaching the kids in preschool, we had little little sayings and ditties, and, and, and obey right away was the, the rhyme that went with when we learned about a horse as an animal. And the word that, what? Nay? Nay, we obey right away. See, they remember it. They remember it. A horse obeys right away if you guide it and direct it. We need to obey right away. This is not obeying right away. If, if Simon had been obeying Jesus, he never would have had to say anything. If Jesus had said, go out a little bit further and let down your nets for a catch, had Simon obeyed Him, he would have said, yes, Lord, and done it. He is humoring Jesus. He's saying, not going to work, but I'll do it anyway. How many times have we done that to people? Not going to work, but I'll do it anyway. You know, sometimes I do it just because it—you know I have to prove that it didn't work. And then I get to say those most hallowed words. Told you so. We all love to say, told you so. Not going to work, but I'll do it anyway. I've got to prove to you that it won't work. That's the only reason why I'm doing it. I'm just going to humor you. Have you ever considered humoring God? And maybe you have humored him, but I would even encourage you this isn't a bad thing to do. To humor God is better than to disobey God. To humor God is a step of faith, even a little bit of step. It may not be full blown obedience, but it's willing to try what God has said. It's willing to try it. There are so many things that we see in Scripture that Jesus has told us to do love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Now, has God ever told you, put it on your heart to love somebody that didn't like you? Has God ever told you or put it on your heart to bless somebody that it seemed like all they wanted to do was be mean to you and curse you? And, and we think in our hearts, it doesn't work, God. You can't go around loving your enemies. It's just not f- practical in this day and time. But I'll give it a shot. I'll try it because you're really bugging me right now. You won't let up, God, so I'm going to do it just to get rid of you. Humor Him just a little bit. As we come to statements in the Bible that we don't understand fully or that seem just too outlandish or too impractical, yeah, we should obey. But prior to the obedience, at least try to humor Him. Have you tried? Have you ever considered just humoring God? That's what Simon is doing here. And, and let's see how it does it work out for Simon as he goes about humoring Jesus. In, in verse 6, he says, uh, when they had done this, when they let down the, the net, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break and, and to enclose. There's, a, there's this language going on throughout this. You had the, the crowd pressing around Jesus now you have the net enclosing, pressing around, if you would, a great multitude, a quantity of fish, to the point where the nets began to break. But the nets could not withstand the press, the mass of the fish that it was trying to enclose, so the nets are starting to break. And maybe they're having a hard time getting that net out of the water, so it's starting to break. To the point where they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. You had two boats, sorry about that, you had two boats sitting on the water cleaning their nets, never caught a thing. And now, one catch, one one letting down of the nets has brought in more fish than one boat can handle. They need the second boat to come out and help them. So the They came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish. That's a lot of fish. The nets are about to break. Now that the fish are in the boat, the boats are about to sink because there is so much fish in there. So many fish. Now remember, Simon was just humoring Jesus. Simon knows all about fishing. You, 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 you know, I, I don't know. We always assume that Simon was a good fisherman. I don't know why. There's nothing in Scripture that seems to tell us he was a good fisherman. All the times I see him fishing, to be quite honest, he can't do anything without Jesus' help. Maybe he was the sorriest fisherman out there. We don't know. We just assume he knew about fishing. We assume he had grown up there, that he knew everything, and that he was a good fisherman. But honestly, here and then in John chapter 21, and then there's a little story about Jesus saying, you know, the, the temple tax and telling him to throw a line into the water and pull out the first fish, open up its mouth, take a coin out. Every single time Peter, uh, Simon Peter fishes in Scripture, he doesn't catch anything without Jesus' help. But we assume he must have known what he was talking about and what he was doing. And and, and here he is, a, a man living off of this, hasn't caught anything, and now. His boat is sinking because of all the fish. He has never caught fish to this extent. You know, we we sometimes think we know more than God, don't we? Sure, that worked in the scriptures. Oh, yeah, yeah, that worked back in Jesus' time, but times are different now. That doesn't work. We can't live by your rules in this modern age. You know, the Bible never said anything about the Internet or uh, fill in the blank on that one. There are so many things going on the crazy nowadays that, yeah, the the people back in Jesus' time hadn't quite gotten that crazy yet. There are lots of things. What do people do? The Bible doesn't say anything about it. Well, just because the Bible doesn't say anything about it doesn't mean that we can't find something in the Bible that would guide us about it, even if it doesn't specify it clearly or specifically and what we see here is that though Simon was humoring Jesus and though Simon knows everything, he doesn't know everything he thinks he does. See, see Jesus may not be a fisherman, but as the Lord of the fish, He knew where the fish were. He may have been, I've always kind of toyed with the idea, that all night long, Jesus had the fish avoiding the boat. Actively staying away. Just to add to Simon's frustration, And to the amazement that would come. And then as soon as the net went down, I I, I can imagine, this is all just me imagining things, but I can imagine that Jesus through the Holy Spirit is commanding the fish to jump in the net. And all of a sudden, so many fish from all over the sea are just flying through the water to get into that net. They're trying to win. Who can be in the net first? Who can get the whole school of fish into the net? Like it was a competition for them. See, Simon understands and knows fishing, but but Jesus knows about that circumstance and that situation. And Jesus knows what he is doing in those circumstances. And the same is true for us with the Lord. God knows more than you do. That's just what it is. He, He may not have been a mechanic in his life, but he knows everything you know and more. He may not have ever had to bake a piece of bread. But I'm sure if he had to, it would be the best bread ever. And he knows why we're reluctant to do things. He knows what's going on in other people's hearts. He knows the hurts and the burdens that we all carry. He knows more than you do. And this is why the idea of humoring him, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, God. No, he does. And this is what He is proving to Simon. Simon is a fisherman who knows all about fishing, but no, Jesus knows more than him in these circumstances and in this situation. He is wise not just about what should be happening, but what is actually happening. And that's something, isn't it? Sometimes we're going through a circumstance in our lives, a situation and we're not sure what's going on. Maybe we're having a disagreement with a person and we're like, why is this person acting the way we do? We don't realize that maybe they skipped breakfast and they're just a little bit grouchy because they're hungry. And we think they'd have got something against us when really they're just wishing they could have a bite of a snack. And maybe they'd be okay with us. Or maybe they've got some problem with somebody else that's weighing on their mind and so they're short with us. And we think, what did I do? Why are they upset with me? We don't know everything that's going on, but God does. He knows more than we do. And so when He calls us to do something, even though we can't see all that's going on, we have to trust Him with those things that we can't see. We have to trust Him. And hopefully obey. Or at least humor Him as we trust Him. Because we need to... Remember, he knows more than I do. So if he says this is going to work, maybe it doesn't work for me the way I want it to in the short term, but maybe in the long term it does. Simon being uh, shown to be a little foolish in regards to his understanding of things, he's seen he sees what's going on, and in verse 8 we see that when Simon Peter saw that, that he saw the boats are sinking he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now we find out who that second boat was. Jesus said to him, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. Simon was amazed at what was going on. That word amazement shows up every now and then. It talks about you know the people in response to Jesus' teaching had amazement. It has the idea of being in awe. Almost feeling a sense of terror of what has just happened. I I think that were we fishermen and were we to catch one net's worth of fish that came up and it started sinking two boats, we might be a little bit terrified too. Especially if you've lived your entire life fishing. And you just had the worst night possible. And now this guy just says, just let your nets down. And the next thing you know, this is happening to you. Obviously, something great is happening in our midst. And Simon, it says, he fell down at Jesus' feet and his desire was for Jesus to go away. Go away from me, Lord. Depart from me. Get out from my midst. Why? Not because I don't like You. But because seeing what Jesus has done caused Simon to look at himself and to say, I'm a sinful man. I I do not need to be near You. I don't deserve to be. I can't withstand being next to such grace and righteousness. What I have just witnessed, this miracle that I have seen, I need to get back to my world and my life. I can't handle this. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, don't fear. Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. See, they had caught a bunch of fish, but now they will be catching men, he says. His whole life had been about catching fish, but now he will be, as Jesus says, catching men. Matthew 4.19 tells us that Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, Matthew just has Jesus walking by the sea, sees them cleaning their nets and says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And they get up and they walk and they follow Him out. But here we see a little bit more detail. They were cleaning their nets. And Jesus says, do not fear. From now on you'll be catching men. You'll be fishers of men. But the call, the call that is implied in Luke and is explicit in Matthew, follow Me. What does it mean for you to follow Jesus? That call is is put out to all of us. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I think sometimes we like the idea of being fishers of men, and we want to be people who are fishers of men. But you know, this was not a general call, or a general statement for everybody. This was a specific statement for a guy named Simon you will be a fisher of men. You will be catching men from now on. It it was an appropriate response or or, or call for Simon, who was a fisherman, and for Andrew, his brother, and for James and John, who were also fishermen. And we see in Acts chapter 2 that this is really something that Simon does. He, He goes and he proclaims the message of Jesus Christ on Pentecost and thousands of people respond he becomes a catcher of men but you know the the call the call is the follow me call is the same but the the specifics of how do we follow it what does it mean for us to follow jesus is different for instance we have saul who is persecuting the church and jesus when he calls him he says why are you persecuting me But what does he tell Ananias? This guy doesn't know how much he's going to suffer for my sake. Saul, who had been causing the suffering of the church, was going to suffer for the message of the church. Simon, who was a fisherman, is told, "You've been fishing for men, or fishing." A lot, but now you're going to start fishing for men. You're going to catch men, not fish. There was once a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what do I still lack? What is missing in my life? I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus says, there's one thing you need to do. Go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and then come follow Me. See, we don't make that proclamation to people. We, we might say, oh, we gotta, you know, follow Jesus, become a fisher of men. We may even say what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Why is it that we will make, as a general call, the need to be born again, but not the need to sell all and give to the poor? Well, I think it's probably because we can handle I need to be born again a lot more than we can handle. Sell all you own and give it to the poor. The problem is not that we need to sell it all. The problem is that we need to recognize that Jesus was making specific calls to specific people. To Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Israelite people, who was a, a Pharisee who was trying to understand who Jesus was within his law, Jesus was saying, look, you need to start all over again. You, you, you have been born by the flesh and you've got the law You need to be born by the Spirit. You need to be born again. And yes, we do all need to be born again. We need to become a new creation in Jesus Christ. But to the rich young ruler whose wealth was in the way, Jesus said, you need to sell all you possess. Now we all know that that rich young ruler couldn't accept that statement. He walked away sadly. And remember, Jesus, as he watched him go, was sad to see him go. Jesus calls us to follow Him. What does it mean for you to follow Him? For Simon, it was to stop being a fisherman and to start being a, a fisher of men. And I've even left a little blank underneath this question because I really genuinely want you in your own heart, and your own thoughts, maybe later today, maybe right now if you're able to, what does it mean for you To follow Jesus. Maybe even just to say, what did it mean for you when you chose to follow Jesus? What was in your life that you gave up? That Jesus transformed into something new? What does it mean? Because generally, following Jesus means giving up something. It means not walking the same path that we have always been on. Now, there are some people, and we'll see it through the Gospels, there are times when Jesus healed a person and they wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said, no, go home. Well, guess what? They gave up their desire to follow Him and they needed to go home. The demoniac who had been out of his mind and everybody knew it, he had to go home so that people could see here was a person who had been healed. He is in his right mind now. Sometimes that's what we give up. We give up getting to go away and we have to go back. When I was a kid, one of the blessings of being a military brat is you got to reinvent yourself every three years. You know, some of you, you grew up in the same town. Most of you probably did, actually. And if you did something boneheaded when you were seven, they remembered it when you were 17. Not me. I did something boneheaded and foolish when I was seven. Slate got wiped clean as soon as we PCS to another station. I could reinvent myself. That that foolishness didn't go with me. And sometimes I think when we follow Jesus Christ, that's what we want to do. We We want to leave behind everybody that's behind us, all the people that know us at our worst, that know us in our sin, and we want to just be around people that didn't know who we were. And sometimes Jesus says to us, no, go back. Sometimes Jesus says, yeah, you better separate yourself from those people. Because they're going to take you down. But sometimes, Jesus tells us, go back so that they might see the change in you. What does it mean for you? And see, it it, it can be different depending on the person, depending on the circumstances. The question is, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? We're going to see what it meant for Simon and James and John. In verse 11, We're told when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. They answered that call to follow me, And they left everything. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. That, That means those fish that they had just brought in, left them. That means their nets that they had used that they were so carefully cleaning, left them. Their boats, the tools of their trade, how they made their money and fed their families, left them. They left them and went with Him. They didn't say, okay, you know, let's, let's get these fish out of here. Let me clean the nets. Let me roll the nets up. I might need this later. No, they left them. Now, they might have still owned them. I'm not saying other people came and took them. But they left them. They walked away from them. They gave them up because they were starting to follow Jesus instead. And this is what part of that question of what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, as we're following Him, the question comes, have have you left everything? Have you given Him everything? Maybe it would be a better way of asking it. Simon, who said, Lord, I, we fished all night. We didn't catch a thing. You're crazy, but we'll let the nets down. Well, he walks away from that. and He starts saying, okay, I'm going to learn about what he wants me to know. I'm going to learn from him. And so the last thing I want to ask is, what are you still withholding from God? And it may, it may be that you're not withholding anything, and the answer for you really is, is, what have you let go of for God? But as we walk with Jesus, as we follow Him, and to a certain extent, Simon, even though he had walked away from those nets, we know because of John chapter 21 that he went back to those nets. He went back to that boat. He had an almost identical situation. Fishing all night, not catching anything. Until Jesus showed up on the shore and told him, try the other side of your boat. Simon left it, but he didn't quite. As soon as something went wrong, as soon as Jesus was crucified, he went back to his nets. And sometimes as believers, even though we're walking with Jesus, sometimes we hold on to a section of our lives and we don't give it over to Him. We we have an area that is ours, that's our property. Our rule and our reign there, not His. It, It may be that He has called us to give up one job for another, and we say, no, I really like this. I've got security here. It may be that He has called us to give up a certain self-image we have of ourselves. That we need to humble ourselves. And that can be hard to do and we have to hold on to that image because that's our identity. Sometimes we hold on to things a long time in our life and don't give them over to the Lord. And so I just want to ask you, what... Are you, if if anything, what are you still withholding from the Lord? What is something that you haven't been willing to give up for him? That's not even on the table. I'm not saying you have to we don't always have to give up everything for him. Sometimes we go back home. But we know in our hearts, we know. Are we following him fully? Or is there one thing we still lack? Something that's big and important in our lives and it's in the way. The disciples, they left everything and followed Him. And eventually, after John chapter 21, Simon really did leave those nets behind. And it can be sad to leave those things behind. Those things are so... You know, I I can only imagine that there were times in Simon's life when he wished he could just spend a night on the lake. But I doubt he would trade it for the life he had in Jesus Christ. He might have wished he could have a night back, but I doubt he would have traded it all and gone back to those things in exchange for all that God had given him. It's like Paul said, all the things that used to be gained to him, he counts them as rubbish. They're worthless to him. And to knowing Jesus, and to participating in His suffering. Is there something you're still holding on to that you won't give up for the Lord? Chances are it's rubbish. Chances are what He has offered for you is so much greater and better than we can possibly imagine. Would you humor God, trust Him, and whatever it is that you might still be withholding from Him as He calls you to follow Him, would you give it to Him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank You for the call that You have put on our lives. Not just to repent, but to follow Jesus. We thank You that You have given us the Holy Spirit to guide us in our lives, to strengthen us in our faith. And we pray, Lord, that You would help us to follow fully. Not just with half our heart or half our life, but all that we are and all that we have, may it be Yours to do with as You guide us and as You please. Father, we pray that we would be able to recognize what it means for us to follow Jesus. Not just what it means for another person, but us individually. What have You called us to do? How can we best live out our faith? And Lord, if there is anything that we hold on to that we won't hand over to You, we pray that You would make it known to us and that we would leave it behind. And follow Jesus. We thank You for this Word this morning and for the example we see in Scripture. We pray, Lord, as we go through our days and our weeks, that as we come up against Scripture that is difficult for us or even hard sometimes to obey and to follow, Lord, that we would remember You know so much more than we do. Help us to trust You and to obey You. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.